Hey, everybody. Welcome back in Bleeding. Claret and Cobalt, Trey Fitzgerald, Ryan Hale here with you. We'll look back at last week's LA Galaxy home loss. Painful and disappointing. Saturday's massive lightning-delayed win in Austin. Probably very surprising and happiness all around from that one. And then, of course, we'll look ahead to Wednesday's U.S. Open Cup quarterfinal at America First Field against the LA Galaxy, who have not played since uh, maybe revitalizing some of their hopes and expectations with that win here in Sandy last Wednesday night. So all of that, much, much more. You had Rubio Rubin, Gavin Beavers on the MLS Team of the Week. Based on their Austin performance, we can talk travel stories, weather delays, and a lot, lot more as we look forward to the first trophy. Only three wins away, Ryan, from the first trophy for RSL since a Western Conference title in 2013, potentially a first CONCACAF berth since 2016. A lot on the line with hopefully three remaining games in the Open Cup. But for any of that to mean anything, you got to win Wednesday. We'll talk about that and much, much more right here. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt with respect to our proud sponsor, One Wire Fiber and The Adam Sessions. Hey guys, just a big shout out to our friend Adam Sessions and One Wire Fiber. We would not be able to bring you Bleeding Claret and Cobalt every week, every month without their great support. So you wouldn't want all your RSL news information coming from some distant out-of-state people that don't care about this community. So why would you rely on your voice, video, text for business coming from one of these big companies that literally don't care about you. If you don't own a business, but your friends do, your family does, you got to reach out to these guys because the level of customer service, of support, attention to detail from OneWire Fiber is immense. And we all know how fast the world is moving these days. If our phones, our computers, if our connectivity is not functioning properly, you just feel completely stuck in the water. And Adam and OneWire Fiber, they will figure it all out for you so you don't have to. The number one, W-I-R-E dot C-O, OneWire Fiber, they will take care of you. They care about this community. They care about this club, and they care about you. All right. So, Ryan, can you compare and contrast your feelings from... Last Wednesday night, losing kind of a gut punch, 3-2 at home to the LA Galaxy. I believe that was a fourth home loss already this year for RSL. The way it happened with a pretty, I don't know, controversial penalty at the end of the first half. RSL strikes back, gets two, goes up 2-1, and then gives up a couple really against the run of play transition goals. LA takes over 3-2, final 15 minutes, RSL knocking at that door, but just could not quite get the equalizer or the goal go-ahead goal. Coming out of that disappointment, you head to Austin, last year's playoff disappointment, fresh in the memory, a place where, honestly, during the regular season, we've, we've got, got it handed to us a few different times, including 3-0 all in the second half last year. You have another lightning delay. We've had a lot of weather issues already this year. And you get out of Austin 
with a massive, massive 2-1 win. It was 2 nothing for uh, the final 10 minutes of the game, but uh, Rubio Rubin with the game winner in the 81st minute. Gavin Beavers oh so close to his first MLS shutout. He did get his first MLS win in that game. Obviously does have uh, wins and a shutout in the Open Cup. We'll get into that. But just uh, kind of a crazy week since we last spoke, but a lot of threads to kind of pull on. But let's start with your emotional welfare uh, 72 hours apart between Wednesday night and Saturday night. Yeah, I think it's the whole the season in a nutshell was basically the right? last, you know, last week. Uh, I think that it was it was great to see to be in the stadium to see Pablo Ruiz hit that free kick goal. That was pretty awesome. That was a first in five years. Yeah, on a direct free kick for RSL. And that's that's interesting too because I guess it has been a while since I've been confident in that moment. I just when he stood up, I was standing. I Mark. We were sitting back behind that goal, and as as he lined up, you kind of see the whole whole thing kind of come together, and it was just shot was perfect, man. It was when you see that kind of stuff. That's the kind of like I always bring this up, but that's exactly what he's he does at yeah. training, like for ninety minutes every day. So, and then later in the game, he got a yellow that prevented him from going to Austin. That's yeah, and so <laughs> then you have so then you have this. Thing. So there's the, the the personnel thing. I think what's been highlighted over this stretch, like we're talking mm-hmm. about this, how many games and how many days. Just a, it's just a very taxing. Saturday will be fourteen in forty-eight days. Jeez. So that's taxing on. That'd be taxing on any any roster anywhere mm-hmm. in the world. And to see what it's doing to RSL has been interesting. To see the things that happen that pop up. I think in these games, like late in that run, I think you're seeing like, well, how deep is this roster? Where does this stuff come from? But then you're seeing things like, well, Rubin's going to score two goals in a game after not yeah. scoring for fifteen months or however it's been, and Musafsi's going to start some scoring some goals. Uh, so I think. I'm excited for the the trends where they're headed right now. I think that going into a Wednesday night U.S. Open Cup knockout game in June, I'm as optimistic and as excited to see it as yeah. I, I think I could have envisioned at this point. Yeah. Um, I think if I was going to go to straight MLS, there's a little bit – it's going to take a little bit more to get me sure. up excited about mls performance but i think everybody's on that place right now i mean everybody's in that spot well, we're kind of in the dog days mls right now so i think but that gives us i think a, a momentum upswing with a win yeah in open cup or even just the, the the run in open cup and going into the summer and maybe a little bit of a slowdown in the rate of fixtures you know yeah. hopefully we get some we get nice. a little bit of consistency and i think i like what i'm seeing from these players uh i think we're good, seeing good performances i think we're, we're also seeing good like, I don't know if I want to just boil it down to this, but good body language. I think we're still seeing like happy, like I'm seeing, seeing guys smiling at training. We're seeing guys smiling on the, on the sidelines. Um, I don't know. That's something that when I've seen this team fall the furthest, mm. that was something that was missing for sure. So, oh, like, so, And I think what's been so cool about this run, and look, everybody's tired. Everybody's, it's been an arduous run. I mean, literally from April 8th to June 10th to play, I'm sorry, April 22nd to June 10th to play, I think, 16 games, or sorry, 14 games in that span. You know, in some ways, it's simplified everything, right? You play every three or four days. You have a recovery training session after the game. You have the match day minus one training session, which is a pretty light session. So Pablo and his staff have been doing just a ton of video prep for everybody. And as Pablo, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I get to listen to Pablo on some of these broadcast preparation calls where he's like, look, I don't want to get bogged down into scouting, scouting, scouting our opponent because none of that means anything if you don't know who you are. And 
the best thing, according to Pablo, about this six-week run is that everybody's engaged. Like he's he and his staff have used 25 players in these games. And so, you know, look, there was a time not so long ago, Ryan, where if you're going to Austin without Savarino, without Ruiz, and without Marcelo Silva, you're like, oh, and I saw a lot of this Saturday on Twitter, right? Oh, we're done. We're dusted. We're going to get rolled. We're going to get killed. Then the lineup comes out. Rubio Rubin's out there. Bertan Jacasson, not Jacasson, as our friend Adrian Healy likes to call him. Um, Emeka Anelli, like Gavin Beavers. Like we've seen some of these really young, inexperienced guys, and even Jasper, who's in his second year, 81st pick a year ago. Bodie Hidalgo. Um, who wasn't even on anyone's radar a year ago at this time. Um, then you have, you know, the 14 new players that have come in. We haven't even talked about Diego Luna and his performance for the U.S. over at the U-20 tournament, but he did play significant Open Cup in, uh, minutes at the beginning of this run. Um, everybody's kind of been thrown in the fire. And like Pablo says, some of these guys have thrived so much in these pressure, like single elimination type games. That he is, he and the staff, and more importantly, their teammates have confidence when they get thrown in the 11. And um, yes, we did not have Justin Glad last week against the LA Galaxy. We do have him tomorrow. We did not have Pablo Ruiz against Austin. We have him tomorrow. Um, you know, this is the time of year where everybody's getting their first kind of yellow cards this week. Sure, LA is going to be a different team too, right? Because they're going to have Chicharito back. Um, uh, Boyd and um, I'm blanking on one of the other goal scorers, uh, Memo. Those guys are probably going to start tomorrow, and they weren't ready to start a week ago. So, look, LA is going to have a little bit different look. Um, I'm not sure there's a ton you can take away from that game. LA did not play this weekend as a kind of a unique scheduling quirk. It was their bye. We had our bye on March 18th. They have theirs on June 3rd. Um, but anyway, like. Focusing on the spirit, the culture, the body languages you bring up for this group, I think it's been really, really good for an extended period of time because guys have guys are together. They have confidence in each other. The I won't say the injury bug, knock on wood, is done and dusted, but right now, Eric Holt's out for the rest of the year with the shoulder surgery that he had to have last Thursday. Um, Zach Farnsworth is still working his way back. Um, Axel Kai is rehabbing, um, you know, his previous injury issues in a Monarchs environment now. And, and if you come to an RSL session, chances are you'll see Axel out there uh, rehabbing with the trainers on many occasions as well, depending on the Monarchs travel schedule. But other than that now, knock on wood, everybody's healthy. And that makes really hard lineup decisions. Because remember the Open Cup, you can only dress 18. It's 20 for an MLS game, but it's only 18 for these Open Cup games. So Pablo and his staff have some really, really hard decisions to make for who are the seven on the bench every one of these Open Cup games. Now, should RSL be fortunate enough to win and advance in this quarterfinal round Wednesday? The semifinal is August 25th, I want to say. I believe the winner of the RSL LA Galaxy game will play the winner of Chicago and Houston. Um, there will be a draw 
Thursday at noon on CBS Sports Golasso to figure out the hosting situations uh, for for the final four teams, whoever those are. Um, there are open cup, cup games Tuesday night, the 6th, and obviously RSL-LA is the last game of this round at 7.30 on Wednesday night. So hopefully you can be here in Sandy at America First Field cheering the boys on. If you cannot, uh, that game will be on the Bleacher Report YouTube page and the BR Football app. Um, so anyway, I, I think you have to feel confident coming back home, maybe looking for a little retribution off the disappointment of a week ago. Um, but inspired by Ryan, what I thought was a really, really professional performance in Austin, uh, with a two hour lightning delay, um, very nice goal from Rubio Rubin to open his account in what the 30 something minute, you know, Jasper just lines it up. He had two targets on one defender. If, uh, if Rubin's not there to head that home, maybe Julio does. Um, because the Austin defense just kind of switched off, I guess, a little bit. And Stuver, who's been an un- incredible goalkeeper against us historically, uh, had no chance there. Um, I want to talk about Rubio Rubin here for a minute. And he did get the second goal, the game winner, as we mentioned, in the 81st. Uh, when Demir Krylock was standing at the fourth official <laughs> about to go in for him. But for Rubio Rubin, who had not scored in 15 games this year, Scored on decision day last year as his only goal coming back from kind of an injury-marred preseason. Um, For him to get not just one, but to get two goals Saturday night in Austin amid all that chaos. Just scoring a goal, much less both goals, that is the weight of the world coming off of that guy's shoulders. And I'm just so happy for him. But also for it to have happened in Austin, at the site of that second yellow slash ultimate red card that he got during the playoffs in the 53rd minute last year, where he he spoke to Apple on the media Zoom after that game. I spoke with him at, at practice on Monday because I wasn't in Austin. Um, but people who were there told me he was like the relief, the um, turning the corner, the redemption, all these things. He really did feel like, think about that. I mean, just carrying that weight since last October that you were letting your team down. Um, having the frustration, as we've all seen this year, of him coming oh so close to putting the ball in the back of the net, but not finding it. Um, I don't know how aware he is of the abuse he takes online. Um, that's the life of a striker, right? Uh, he came into this year saying he was in the best shape of his life. Uh, he was excited, I think, to try to move forward and prove some things and, and redeem himself. He has scored for Guatemala this year. But for him to get those two goals uh, for us, I just could not be happier. And as Pablo said, uh, Pablo Mastroeni said after practice on Monday, like when literally nobody believes in you except for maybe the guys next to you in the locker room, for him to come out with that performance and get that job done um, in the most unlikely of scenarios, the most unlikely of environments, um, that speaks a lot to the culture that exists in that locker room for how, just how happy everybody was for each other. And I guess that's sort of what I was trying to say earlier. That same thing 
that comes forward for Gavin Beavers to succeed, or Bodie Hidalgo, or Jasper Laffelson, or Bertine Jacquesson, or Emeka Anelli. I mean, you know, there have been a lot of times in our history, Ryan, and and we can talk about this momentarily. I want to get your thoughts on Rubin, but think about this team's road history. Think about this team uh, in the pre-Pablo Mastroeni era, and I've got some numbers to back this up, where if you lose one at home in crushing fashion, chances are you're going on the road and losing that one too. And, and what we've been able to do since Pablo got here as an assistant at the beginning of 21, and then later as, a, as the head coach in August of 21, we've been able to win on the road. We've been able to earn points on the road. I mean, we're barely, I don't think we're even halfway through our road schedule. And we've already got as many road wins this year as we've had in four of the last six seasons. And 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 Pablo's numbers on on bounce back, and we'll get into all that momentarily. I just I didn't want to leave that out before I hear from you on, you know, what goes through your mind when Rubin gets that first one, and then and then gets another one, literally as he's waiting to get subbed out. That was a crazy sequence, right? Gomez over the top, Chang recirculates, and that was the end of of us just knocking on that door. And maybe I guess as I replay it in my head, I'm feeling like. Okay, here we go again. Like we did this for 90 minutes against LA at home. Couldn't find the back of the net. And I mean, Masovsky did break through and we got to talk about him. He's got four goals now in nine games um, after finally getting healthy and, and getting, you know, a consistent set of minutes. But anyway, just what was your thought on, on Rubin breaking through? Well, I mean, as many times we've seen him hit the post or just wide or just, you know, not be able to make the right touch on a breakaway this year to see two goals go in was uh, it was a cathartic moment for i'll say it yeah, for yeah, me. For, yeah. <laughs> but no to watch the, and then you know I, I i love to watch the the body language on that i brought that up too but to watch the 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 celebration and the, to see those faces you know you, you see so we've seen hundreds of celebrations that yeah of sure. goals but to see like real joy on the guys' faces is like it's 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 it was great. It was great. It was great to watch. Um, a friend of mine went to that game in Austin. Okay. Last time we went to a game was when uh, I forgot I helped get him yeah. some tickets. <laughs> and uh, did he have a good time? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think nice. I think Austin's. I haven't been to Austin yet, but I hear Austin's. A, it's a great fan experience. Yeah, but he he'd seen Rubio score. Not the last time he scored, but last time he'd gone to a game, Rubio scored. Okay. So it's kind of like, well, maybe you need to come yeah, somewhere. Maybe you need to travel. To- <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the way that those plays came together too, you're talking about the last goal where it kind of pinged around in the box. I think that most of the time in this season, once the ball starts pinging around and the, trying to win the ball back on the, and that side, you know, on that third of the field, a lot of times it doesn't happen for ourselves to win it back in 18 specifically. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's been a lot of those have been missed, like missed opportunities. And to see that one, go through i i mean i don't know what austin was they had a chance to clear it in that, that play and they dismissed it but but they were we've been talking about this a lot this year too the punishing mistakes i mean that was yeah. that that's what that goal ended up being and i think it was important because ultimately it was the game winning goal and i think that's it's good to see those things come together there was one touch passes all around in the 18 knowing where everybody's going to be it was that was a fun goal to watch i think that was it was good i was couldn't i mean there's nothing more disappointing than a 90 plus 2 goal to give up a, a clean sheet on the road. But yeah. I mean, I think that was, you know, there were some things there. I think we're, we're still seeing some of these, these things that do kind of still linger around, you know, 
the pressure was higher from Austin in the last 10 minutes of the game than it was the entire game. I don't know what they were waiting for specifically, but they didn't consistently have it down on there in the attacking end at all until like the last 10 minutes of the game. So I think it would, it did kind of show that you, know, you got, you can't, don't underestimate RSL because in, in the moments they're given, we're seeing more and more that RSL will take advantage of the mistakes and punish for that. And I think that's, that's the marks of a team that that's going to take some points where they don't always, they don't, they're not always obviously theirs, you know? So I think that that was a good one. So we've won five times in Texas in 19 years. Two of those wins have come under Pablo's head coaching regime, uh, which was October of 18, sorry, October of 21 in Dallas, and then this past weekend. Um, I alluded to this earlier, but I think under Pablo, we, in the last three years, 21, 22, and 23, and there's still, like I said before, half of 23 left, I think we're at 53 road points. And that includes this year's Open Cup run, which is being generous. Um this includes the playoff run in 21, where you know you get a point in the Seattle shootout draw, and you get three in Kansas City. The best three-year road period in this club's 19-year history was 2012 through 14, when I think we got 62 road points. To me, that's just phenomenal, right? And there's something different about the mentality. Now, of course, if we could have if we could combine the home form that we had in 12 through 14 or really most of our history ever since we moved to Sandy because that's obviously where the shortcoming is right now. But you look big picture and I'm I'm not a guy Ryan that likes to take a lot out of the standings in the last week of May or the first week of June. This whole time, this whole time we've been playing games every three or four days. And yes, we've had disappointing home results. We've had 0-0 ties. Uh, we've had now with the LA game, a disappointing home loss where you do score multiple goals. Um, I think we're 2-4-2 two, and two at home right now. Um, that is disappointing. But this whole time we've been, what, 11th or 12th in the Western Conference standings. And that's easy pickings for... Angry fans on Twitter or whoever else say, we suck, we're no good, Pablo sucks, the roster sucks, everything sucks. But that whole time, we're literally three points, one result away from fifth or sixth. So even though you lose a regular season game at home to the worst team in the league at the time, LA, 24 hours after they fire their president, which... Most of their staff didn't know until they landed on the plane here in Salt Lake on Tuesday afternoon. Then you go to Austin. It just, the parody in this league is unbelievable. And so now we are ninth. We're above the playoff line, which again, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that conversely, it just, that doesn't matter either, right? And you're three points away from, Okay, the Galaxy are in 14th, and I think we're, what, five or six points ahead of them? So, But everything is so tightly packed in the West, especially if you go like 3 through 12. It's a couple results. And anybody that's followed this league knows you drop three in a row or you win three in a row, 
you are skyrocketing, skyrocketing up and down those standings, or you're dropping like a stone, right? So, again, there's a lot of soccer left to be played, and the season has been front loaded. So, I don't want to like dismiss the time of year this is, um, because of League's Cup taking up basically mid July to mid August. Um, you know, we're we're close to the midway point of our regular season games. Um, you know, we've got League's Cup coming up. Um, hopefully we do have more Open Cup games after League's Cup if we make it to the semifinal and the final. Um, we've got the summer window opening uh, July 5th. There might be some new additions that are ready to play for this club, hopefully at the beginning of the window and not at the end like we've seen in the past. Um, you've got a decision at the end of July to make on 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 Brian Ojeda's ability to stay here uh, with Nottingham Forest uh, being on loan from them here. Um, so I just think it's going to be an exciting summer. Uh, you do have uh, our first visits to St. Louis coming up. Um, got a home game against New York City FC here this weekend that we haven't even talked about yet coming out of the Open Cup game because I think being on the precipice of of playing for a trophy potentially playing for a trophy at home, which we haven't done since 2013, uh, getting back into CONCACAF. These are all extremely, I think, motivating factors. And I just want to close out this by getting back. I, I just mentioned the like road numbers. If you think about our results under Pablo Mastroeni after a loss. So since August 2021, when Pablo took over, in games following a loss, something I like to call bounce-back games, right? RSL has 13 wins, 7 draws, and 5 losses in what is now 73 games under uh, different competitions under his guidance. That means that after a loss, in 20 of those 25 next games, they were able to earn at least a point. So that, that speaks to mentality. That speaks to culture. That speaks to togetherness. Like you talked about earlier, the body language. Like that doesn't happen if all those things aren't positive and aligned. And the weird thing is, is in these stats, you had the four-game losing streak, right, in late March to April 1st. So a four-game losing streak counts as three back-to-back losses. So out of five back-to-back losses total in 19 months, to have three of those five basically in, what, four weeks? Uh, Again, that is a blip that gets compounded for statistical purposes. But I don't know. Those are the things that I go to when people ask me, Trey, why are you so irrationally optimistic about this team? I mean, I'm irrationally optimistic because I'm just around these guys every day. I see and hear what Pablo is telling them, what Demir is telling the young players, uh, what Savarino is juggling um, personally, professionally, national team, club team, um, the new guys that have showed up, whether it's Brian Vera, uh, Ojeda, Oviedo, the young guys like Anelli, uh, Delence Pierre. Like, I don't know. We just have so many compelling stories in this locker room. Um, the guys who have to get minutes at the Monarchs and kind of in between Monarchs and RSL, the Academy kids that are getting tested at the Monarchs level, like there's so much inspiration to be found. And, and I'm just lucky that 
I'm able, I guess, to be as close to it as I am. Um, I understand that a lot of fans aren't able to see that stuff. Um, and, you know, we see people for 90 minutes, you know, every week, basically, um, the general fan. So we don't see what happens the other six and a half days a week or whatever when games aren't being played. And like, I mean, that, that brings me to Diego Luna, right? So Diego Luna has had a phenomenal tournament for the U.S. There's fans, there's U.S. fans all over the world. There's Real Salt Lake fans in our backyard that all think Pablo should be fired for not playing Diego Luna. And I guess I, I tried to make a point politely enough on Twitter on Sunday after the U.S. lost to a very good Uruguay team that just suffocated that whole game. Pablo and his staff have been working with Diego two, three, four hours a day or more in the 11 months that he's been part of this club. Yes, we only see every Wednesday or Saturday or, or whatever, and maybe he gets 10 minutes, maybe he gets zero, maybe he gets 45, but that's not, it's not a clear snapshot of the development process. He's a young player who is goes to a tournament like that and has proven that amongst his peers, he is elite and he's one of the best in the world. Now, as Pablo has said in various press conferences, he comes back from that tournament. He's in a locker room full of men. He's playing against men. And hopefully that confidence that he gained in the U-20s in Argentina motivates him to take his game, his confidence, everything to another level. And yes, hopefully he does get a chance in the upcoming MLS and Open Cup and Leagues Cup games uh, to p demonstrate that growth and to prove what he's earned and what he's learned and what he's uh, accomplished. So I think it's just, it's an exciting summer on a lot of levels. And um, again, if we lose this Open Cup game tomorrow, I will be crushed and disappointed. And you can probably hear it in my voice. Like, I'm just excited. But, like, I, I think this group is special because of how deep they are. Um, I mean, look at the last few weeks, Ryan. Pablo's making six, seven, eight changes uh, from starters from every 72 or 96 hours. Um, Zach McMath got a concussion. Gavin Beavers came in, stepped up. Um, McMath could be back as early as this weekend. So, um, in fact, he might even be on the bench as Gavin's, uh, uh, apparent backup. Um, I don't know what decisions have been made, but I think he's cleared. So it's just, um, it's a fun time to see the potential of this group and this team, uh, coming off of everything they fought through, um, in a difficult spring. Well, I think that this run in the open cup is also just a kind of a marker to like what is happening. In this locker room, anyway. I mean, to take to make a run in this tournament is is not easy, and I think part of that is because so many people don't take it very seriously in the very first couple of rounds. And I think in the past, sometimes as RSL has been knocked out earlier, and then we're like, well, you know, U.S. Open Cup, what are you gonna do? But the thing is, is that at this point, like, it's a knockout tournament against you know teams that are in the middle of their season. So I think that any success in this, especially if you're playing with guys that are like earning their spot by getting a an opportunity you wouldn't have normally this time of the year, it's like. Gavin's getting his his starts because of the Open Cup, right? And that's kind of what's happening. So I think it's a, it's been an interesting dynamic to this season that has been literally the highest as high highs and low lows as you can get in a in a season by by June. And 
like you said, like I, I'm excited. I don't want to ever get too excited about it, the knockout game because I did, you know, the losses crush me too much. But I think it's it's an exciting place to see that like this team is this team is winning when it counts. And honestly, as a fan, I want to see those wins happen while I'm sitting there watching in the stadium. You know, that's that's something that I've been. If my my biggest critique of this what's been happening right now is I need to see these wins with my own eyes. I don't want to. I want to see. I don't want to have to go through the Google uh, stats and see that the, what who performed the best. Right. Yeah. Speaking of those, are we've talked brought those up a couple of times. Uh, kind of a wild range of stats for the players from Austin game on on Google. If you look in the lineups, it gives a star rating. We don't. Yeah. We, we haven't confirmed where these are coming from, other than users, <laughs> but. This isn't the first time that Ruby Rubin has been the the top score, the top rated player on the Google. Well, lineup. and he ends up getting you know named to the MLS Team of the Week. Yeah. Beavers on the bench. That was heartening to me because I've I've spent a lot of Monday mornings wondering if anybody at the league office was watching our games oh, yeah. because I feel like we kind of get snubbed a little bit on some of that stuff. It's probably hard. And again, I'm old, so I come from a time when it was easy to keep track of of ten teams playing five games every weekend. And now you've got the league has tripled in size and in a not very uh, long period of time. So I don't uh, I don't know who at MLSsoccer.com watches all these games and how it's split up and how those teams of the week are, are compiled or composed. But uh, it was encouraging. They 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 recognized again a massive win for us in Austin. Think about what it would look like. Like not to not to go whatever should have go yeah. whatever. But we've literally seen Rabin hit the post. 12 times this season <laughs> <laughs> or we've seen him like on the doorstep take an extra touch and like blow an opportunity I mean, so, or, or whatever so like it's has, been crazy he, he has two bizarre. goals right now he could easily have had 12 goals right now and what does that maybe not easily but well, yeah he's i think he's been in the he's been in the play he's he's had situations where well i mean they wouldn't be easy but i think he's that's the thing is he doesn't get himself into he doesn't happen upon yeah. chances i think he puts himself in good places to take shots that are dangerous and you know I think that we've seen we've seen shots. I'm just saying, like the fact that he's getting this attention with those two goals, and I think that people are seeing. I don't. I like to see guys perform the way on the field that we know that they're capable of, and so I think Rubio's got to be the the poster boy for that exact thing. It's like as soon as we can see him, like there's so much that we want to see from him. Uh, that the expectation that's like you're talking about the expectation, the weight of the world's on him. It's like it's real because like I think I think a lot of us know. I, I kept bringing up his U.S. Um, his U.S. national team uh, experience on the broadcast too, which is like, come on, yeah, it's like, yeah, because like, people remind remember him. Obviously, that's I think that's important. I think that's a great. I mean, he's definitely has that experience. I mean, he plays for Guatemala now. Um, he did have some. He did go. He did play for U.S. But this is one of those things. Like, think about things that are, are riding on his shoulders. Like that. That that's an, uh, an incredible amount of like pressure and expectation and. Man, it's fun to watch him when he's doing well, and I think it's very. It was very it made me very happy to see those goals go in this weekend. I do like to see like the performances from other players. Uh, watching watching uh, Gomez be a different guy almost every time you see him. I, I think you're seeing. Want to see some? I think what we're watching with him specifically is we're watching someone grow up on the field in front of us. We're seeing someone that yeah. has some of these. Like I was the best player on every field I've ever played on, and now he's getting coming up against competition that may be a little bit more than he he was used to playing against. I mean, because that's what I'm with young players, especially young players that are like kind of phenomenal players. Yeah. Until they step foot on a professional field, like a, you know, the major league professional field or whatever, top tier, they've never not been the best player on the field ever. Like, and I yeah, think, I think sure. it's very obvious with Gomez because he can do things that I don't see people doing, even amongst this group. I mean, 
he does things. But to see him kind of like, oh, that doesn't work against, you know, <laughs> it doesn't work against uh, backs that are as fast as he is and stuff like that. But I think he's figuring it out. And uh, talk about Savarino uh, dialing in his role a little bit better. I know we've talked about a lot of, there's been some things that are outside off the field. and But even just inside, like finding where does he fit? Because he's an interesting player that doesn't have a like, Oh, you fit here, you slot here, and everything goes this way right here. It's about him being creative, and I think he's finding ways to be creative. Well, he's so creative. He's so dangerous. Wherever we have to have him find space on the ball, because he's the guy, he's the Nikola Jokic of this team, (laughs) he makes everybody else better. Yeah. And we have seen games early in the year where teams maybe didn't respect our strike partnership, maybe didn't respect the opposite winger, didn't respect the midfield, and... In those cases, Savarino kind of gets lost on an island, and when he gets isolated, his body language goes bad. He's not getting touches on the ball. He disengages a little bit, and and it's not just him. It's a lot of attacking players that happens to, but as we've seen this run of success over the last six, eight weeks, you know he's getting the ball in different spaces. He's creating danger. He's combining. He's swapping sides with, with Gomez or whoever. He's playing underneath. Demir or Julio or Rubin or Danny. It's just been fun to watch uh, him kind of, um, I won't say take a leadership role because I don't know that that's his personality, but to take a more aggressive role in the attack. I think, well, I think we're seeing those moments kind of pop up. I know you had a, I won't take up too much of your time, but I just wanted to like highlight just two more, two more players here that I think that we've been, we've been seeing some special stuff from Michael Chang has been having a oh, run yeah. of, of, of play that's been just, he's just been, He's fun to watch. Um, I always feel like sometimes he's in that same boat. It's like, kind of like what we just described with Severino. He's, yeah. There's things that he's capable of doing, but he needs to find where, that, where he fits on the mm-hmm. field sometimes. And sometimes he, gets, he does tend to disappear. But I think lately he's been a big part of almost every big moment in this that's well, happened. It's funny because I think Pablo has so much trust in him. And you know, a few years ago, I think it was the 2020, the COVID season, People felt like Chang was a defensive liability, right? Like we can remember there was a San Jose game where maybe he didn't pressure the service and and Wando scored two goals in the last like five minutes to to win here. And and look, every player, if you break down their tape, you can find isolated moments like that. But clearly with Chang, especially on the road, when you're not like going all out and you don't have Gomez and Savarino on the field, he occupies one of those wing positions. But last year, you know, when Demir was hurt for 28 games of the year, Chang would kind of come in. Maybe he starts on the wing, but he really gravitates towards the middle, has a maybe a little more defensive posture. But then he comes out with like with Portland in the Open Cup and scores two massive potentially season changing goals for us. So just again, another guy that you have to be so happy for that stuck to his guns, um, grinded out his process, went from, you know, immigrating under very difficult circumstances from Cuba to the United States, rising up through the USL, carving out his space at the Monarchs, earning an MLS contract. And now, you know, last year, Ryan, I think he played in, 33 games out of 34 in MLS. Um, He hasn't started as much this year as maybe he did last year, but he's clearly somebody uh, that is valuable and a valuable contributor, whether he starts, whether he's off the bench, uh, whatever the competition. So I just can't be more proud that, you know, kind of Western hemisphere, Spanish language football media is, is taking notice of, of Chang and, 
you see a lot more tweets celebrating his successes. Um, I think he was second on the team in assists last year. And the league is not always very generous with second assists. Like I, he's been close for a few years now, almost being able to lead us in assists. Yeah, and then just one last little shout out here, I guess. Well, I guess I'm going to throw three guys in this. Okay. Ojedo, Oviedo, and Vera are last the yeah. three guys that have kind of like, I feel like they're kind of fitting into this team where maybe even the beginning of the season kind of felt like, oh, they're just they're, they're players that play on this team instead sure. of being t- part of this like integral yeah. parts of this team. And I think. Ojeda, for example, I mean, I think he's just what play doesn't go through him right now. I mean, that's his job, but like what, yeah. what, what he's definitely being uh, the the production that's coming through him and Oviedo. I think both of those two, I kind of grouped them together in my head just because they came in the same time and both named Brian. But I think that we got that. Uh, I think what we're seeing from them is that once they're integrated in this team, I think you see them being comfortable and the performances are kind of reflecting that. And I think that's 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 pretty great. So, yeah, exciting times. Um, Look, we could go on and on about those guys, but. You know, Vera started, I think, 11 of the last 13 games. He's played left back. He's played center back. He's your third kind of backup center back of Glad and Silver, healthy. Um, Ojeda wants to be here, and he's wanted it since almost day one of getting here. Um, so how that scenario plays out with Nottingham Forest, I think hopefully it's very exciting for him and for us. And then um, you talked about Oviedo, you know, a little bit of the older guard and you know people talk about his days at, at Everton or, or Sunderland or wherever he's not that player anymore but when he does pop out of uh, whether it's starting on the on the, off the bench whatever he's just so solid and you know look we saw the game against LAFC Dunny called him out for missing the ball over the top and you know every player makes mistakes during the game and this is what Pablo always says is mistakes are going to be made how do you respond to those mistakes that's what's going to make the difference in your performance for this group. And um, again, I, I just really loved what I saw from him in Austin. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap it for today's Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. Please do reach out to us on social at Claret Cobalt on Twitter and Instagram or anchor.fm slash Claret and Cobalt. Hit that message uh, button or email us rsltrey at gmail.com, rsltrey at gmail.com. Let us know what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're hoping for this Open Cup run, which young players would you like to see even more of? Luna, Anelli, Jacquesson, uh, Hidalgo, Beavers. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. Really uh, fun and exciting. 14 new players to this club since Savarino uh, came back la- end of last May. Um, maybe we'll have a couple more uh, or more, three more. Uh, in July of this year. We'll see what the window has to offer. We'll talk about all that and much, much more on the next episode. In the meantime, we appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing, and uh, just for all of your interest in, your connection to, and your fandom of Real Salt Lake and the entire pyramid right here, Bleeding, Claire and Cobalt, brought to you by One Wire Fiber.